welcome to episode four of Long Hair Do Care. Today's date is May 16th, 2021. I am your host, Georgie Corkery. Pronouns are she, her, hers. Also happy to go by they, them, theirs. I do have long hair, long blonde hair, and I do care quite a bit, specifically about issues that fall under the broad yet niche umbrella of queer intersectional eco-feminism. And today's topic is Leave No Trace, specifically the seven principles of Leave No Trace. If you haven't heard of them, I'm excited to share, and if you have, uh, hopefully this is a nice refresher with some good uh, stores to go with each of the seven principles. But, of course, before we jump into that, let's get into the number of cats I interacted with this week, which is three! Thank goodness, because uh, the first three episodes, I've only interacted with one every week, and so life is getting better. I'm interacting with more cats. The first cat I interacted with was Crumb from an earlier episode. You might have remembered me talking about Crumb. I was running with my two dear friends in my neighborhood, and uh, we passed this cat, and I was like, that's Crumb. If, if Crumb is still out, when we come back, I'm going to pet it. And, of course, Crumb was there. I paused our run and pet the cat, pet Crumb. And then second cat is a cat I've brought up. I think twice now, Zarina, uh, my friends, roommates, cat. She's old. She's cute. She's gray. Last but certainly not least is Pepe. Pepe is my friend Kelly's cat, and he's fat. He's white. He's a white Siamese, I think is what they call him. And he has blue eyes that look like they're cross-eyed. I actually know another cat that looks a lot like this. His name is Bernie. I was hanging out with Kelly, and Kelly just built his bar, and Pepe was sitting at the bar with us. We got a little water glass for him. It was really cute. Cats, great. Wildlife, didn't really interact with any this week. So, Teslas. I saw 41 and 9 halves. And again, the halves are electric cars that aren't Teslas, so they're just not as cool. So they can't count as a whole, a whole one. I did see a really cool orange one this week. It looks super sporty. I was like, whoa, that's a cool car. And then I realized it was a test and I got really excited. I think it's my favorite. It's quite nice, super fancy. And then on that note, I was talking to my students about counting Teslas and that I liked them. They said that they hate, they use the word hate because they're teenagers. Um, they hate Teslas. And I was like, why? And it's like, well, because they're rich people. And uh, it was just a really good reminder that it's a privilege that I have a car. And it's paid off, and it's running, and I don't have to worry about that. I am a very privileged human being. So that's my Tesla lesson of the week. Let's move on to conscious content consumption. And really quick, the reason why I bring up this conscious content consumption is because we are always consuming content, whether it's commercials or billboards, uh, if you're listening to radio, watching TV, listening to podcasts, reading books in the newspaper and that stuff. And we just really do need to be aware of how that does shape our perspective 
and the people that are producing this content. Because if we're only consuming content by, say, hetero, cis, white, male presenting, <laughs> male identifying folks, we're not really going to get a good full picture of what life is really like and all the its nuances, the beautiful nuances and the hardships that people face that can be beautiful and, and shape behaviors and systems. And maybe if we listen to content by diverse groups of folks, then uh, we'll get new ideas to build things and systems in better ways. So that's why I bring it up and I like to share with you the things that I consume, because, uh, I, I mean, the ones that I like, I want to talk about. And, you know, I'm sure there's going to come a point at which there is something I don't like that I want to talk about, and uh, that'll be just as important, because we need to talk about all the content and how it shapes us. But I have two for today, and the first is a book, a uh, nonfiction called Everything is Figureoutable by Marie for low, and I think that's how you say her last name. I probably should have looked that up beforehand. But I picked it up at the Little Free Library just around the corner from my house, and uh, I liked the cover, and I was just in a place in life <laughs> where I was like, I probably could figure some things out, and if everything's figureoutable, hell, I'll read it. I'm not a big fan of nonfiction. It takes me a long time to read, and but if you're open to it, then you're open to learning, then you'll probably learn something from anything. So the one thing that I took from her, from Marie's book, Everything is Figureoutable, is start before you're ready. That was one of her suggestions. She said, you know, if you have something that you want to do, just do it. Don't wait for the perfect moment because it likely isn't going to come Quite honestly, that is why I started this podcast. I had thought about it for a long time, and then I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. I didn't even have the name figured out yet, and honestly, if we're being real, I re-recorded the first several episodes, including this one, because I didn't like what I was doing with it, and I just think I have a better structure now, and it's... Like, I have this now because I started before I was ready, and, like, I'm slowly becoming more and more ready <laughs> to do this. But, obviously, it's still not perfect. I also did buy a microphone for this podcast, so hopefully the sound isn't horrible. You might hear my fan in the background, but that's just gonna happen. So, Everything is Figureoutable by Marie Forlo. It's F-O-R-L-E-O for Leo. That's probably how you say it. I like it so far. I really like the prompts that are in it. I love journal prompts. If anything, you could get the book for the journal prompts because they do make you think. The second conscious content consumption that I want to share with you is a podcast, a National Park After Dark, hosted by Danielle and Cassie. And I could not find their last names on their website. Maybe I just didn't look hard enough, but uh, Danielle and Cassie. I'm not quite sure how I came across this podcast. It wasn't recommended to me by Molly, my dope past roommate slash good friend whom I love. Shout out to you, Molly. You're awesome. I don't know how I heard about this podcast, but I really like it. Here's kind of the description. Here is the description that they have on their website. 
National Park After Dark is a true crime storytelling mystery podcast, all rolled into one, hosted by two friends, Cassie and Danielle, whose last name I don't know, who share a passion for the outdoors and a fascination with what can go wrong there. Each episode explores a different morbid story within the National Park system. Topics range from death, tragic accidents, stories of survival, disappearance, true crime, the paranormal, and more. And I, you know, I'm not a true crime person. I'm also not into, like, paranormal activity stuff or aliens or any of that, but I really like this podcast, one, because I'm an outdoor enthusiast, and I love hearing about all the different national parks. They always have good details about each park, like how big they are, when they were established, the terrain, the activities you can do there. And then some of the, like the stories of survival or tragic accidents that happen out there and the rescue teams that come in and save them. It's just so fascinating and so cool to hear about. And I think it's also a good reminder to be safe when we do go out into the outdoors. They do have episodes like with bears and um, wildlife, not, you know, respecting them. And that all ties into the topic of today. That is the seven principles of Leave No Trace. They also have one episode so far that is dedicated to women, women in national parks and how they shaped them. Um, and the roles that they've played, which I really appreciate. They also highlight in some uh, episodes, whether they're talking about, like, serial killers or something, how women are subject to less safe conditions. Women and minority genders, of course. So, great podcast. Check them out. I know you can find them anywhere <laughs> you find your podcasts. But uh, they also are on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and they also have their own website. I think it's just nationalparkafterdark.something. If you Google it, you'll find it. But let's dive into the topic. Again, seven principles of leave no trace. I believe that these principles are important, especially because I live in such a beautiful place. You know, I grew up in Utah. We have the Wasatch Front. There's seven canyons that I that are just right by my house, kind of like the seven principles, but seven canyons. Let's see if I can name them all. There's Big Cottonwood Canyon, Little Cottonwood Canyon, Parley's, City Creek, Immigration, Mill Creek, and that's only six. Oh no, I can't remember the last one. Uh, we'll come back to that. But yeah, I live in this beautiful place. I have access to five national parks in my state that some of them are covered in that podcast, National Park After Dark. And I believe that we have a duty, a responsibility to not love these wild places to death. Uh, loving it to death basically means destroying it because there's too many people out there not taking care of the environment. So first, if you don't know what the seven principles of Leave No Trace are, I challenge you right now to pause this podcast and guess what they are. Okay, maybe you did, maybe you didn't. Let's jump into it. I know that some of them aren't often thought of. There's some obvious, more obvious ones and less obvious ones. But let's start from the top. Number one, 
plan ahead and prepare. The reason why this one is important is because if you don't plan ahead, maybe that puts you in a precarious situation. Like if you don't bring enough food and water and equipment to do whatever you're doing in the outdoors, whether it's kayaking, climbing, or just going for a short hike, and you end up in a situation where you're hurt, people likely have to come rescue you if you're in a bad situation. And if that's a helicopter, if that's just more people coming out, if they need to dig you out of something, you know, that's going to impact the environment. And also, it's just really good to be safe. There's no reason to not think about where you're going. And planning and preparing, maybe that just means bringing a garbage can or something. Uh, I know that my mom, she loves bringing canned oysters or canned sardines, which might not sound appealing to most people, but I am a big fan of the canned oysters. And it's really oily, so you kind of have to plan to bring a Ziploc bag because you can't just open it and then put it back in your bag, and you don't, you shouldn't dump out the, the oil. Essentially, just plan and prepare. It's going to make it safe, and it's going to make it so that you're able to follow the rules of the six other principles coming up. Number two is... Travel and camp on durable surfaces, and that includes trails. If you're going out and you're hiking or running, whatever you're doing, you don't want to go off trail because there's vegetation that you're damaging. If you go off trail, you might start to form a new trail, a side trail, and those are called social trails, and I know that park rangers try their best to cut those trails off. If you see a trail that's covered in sticks or leaves, that is rangers trying to say, hey, don't go here. We're trying to turn this into a restoration area. We're trying to get the vegetation back. So that's a good way to think about it. And then especially if you're in the desert, uh, Utah has some very beautiful desert. There's something that's called cryptobiotic soil, and it takes anywhere between 50 and 100 years to fully form. And it takes one moment to step on it and crush it. And this soil is important because it's like a living surface that holds the rest of the ground in place, preventing it from turning into a sand dune. The desert is mostly made of sand, and so when the wind blows, uh, it can pick it up and shift that sand around, making it impossible for water retention and vegetation to grow. And so the cryptobiotic soil holds it all together so that vegetation can grow. And then, of course, if there's vegetation, that creates a good habitat for animals. It's just important. We don't want a desolate desert <laughs> that is just sand dunes. And this is actually a problem in, I forget what countries in Africa, So, and I don't want to just say Africa, but they actually planted all these trees around the edge of this ever-growing desolate sand dune area because they're like, oh, we need to control this or there's just going to be no habitat for plants, animals, or humans. It's going to be unlivable. So uh, really important, just travel safe. If you are in the desert and you go off trail, try to stand on rocks. So that's principle number two. And number three is dispose of waste properly. If you pack something in, just pack it out. And that includes banana peels, apple cores, pistachio shells, any of that stuff. If it's poop, pack it out. 
If you're backpacking, you can buy those wag bags. If you're hiking, you can bring a shovel. That's fine, but you have to dig it at the correct depth, which I believe is now eight inches. And I also know I've heard stories in the desert where, you know, there's a popular climbing area and people poop there all the time. And then water comes in and it washes away that surface and then all that poop comes up and it's really gross. So I, I think we should just pack it out if you can, if that's possible. Pack out your human waste. And if you do go to the bathroom in the outdoors, don't leave toilet paper. Maybe this is a purist thought, but if you bring anything... Pack it out, and you can be a good Samaritan, and if you see little wrappers on the trail on your way down, pick it up, pack it out. Um, That's what I try to do. This goes well with the next principle. Principle number four is leave what you find. I know there's a lot of people that want to take rocks and petrified wood and flowers, but, you know, what are you going to do with those things? Just have them sit on your shelf in a place that they don't belong. Just leave them. The one story I have of this is I was camping just outside of Boulder, Utah, in a petrified forest. It was, I think, Death Hollow. It eventually turned into a slot canyon. And there's petrified wood everywhere. And this one person who didn't bring a backpack, decided to start collecting all this petrified wood to take home. They were just collecting it in their shirt, and then they made a big pile of it, and they wanted to take it all out. It was like, why are you doing that? If everybody came in and did what you're doing, this place wouldn't be beautiful anymore. You're literally taking away from the beauty of it. And we don't need more things, I think, when we just can go visit beautiful things. Principle number... Five is minimize campfire impacts. I can actually go really deep into why we shouldn't have fires, campfires. One reason is because they do cause larger fires if they get out of control, Uh, but mainly it's because of the air pollution. I am not a big fan of fires at all. I don't like inhaling the smoke. I like to go into the wilderness to breathe clean air, but that's not why this is a principle You want to minimize fire impacts because it scorches the ground. It makes it hard for anything to grow underneath it. Again, fire danger is a big issue too, so always be aware of fire restrictions, especially this year. I assume it's going to be a hot one, and there's going to be a lot of fires just like last year. And when you do do fires... Um, and you're bringing wood from place to place, just be really aware of if you're bringing wood from one forest to another because sometimes that wood will carry invasive species, specifically beetles, and you don't want to be the reason for an outbreak. So be aware of that, and uh, if you can, have a campfire with one of those fire tarps that go underneath it so it doesn't hurt the ground or do it in a designated fire pit at a campground. Try not to make more and more fire rings. That is not what we want to see everywhere while we're in the wilderness. Principle number six is respect wildlife. Huge, obvious one. I am somewhat close to Antelope Island on Great Salt Lake, and there are bison there and people are told all the time don't mess with the bison and every once in a while someone's like oh I don't want to pet them and they get charged they get hurt Um, this happens with bears again in that podcast national park after dark 
they talk about interactions with bears and you have to be smart with wildlife. Some of them get aggressive, some of them are territorial, and the bigger ones absolutely can't hurt you, whether that's a moose, a grizzly bear, a black bear. I haven't really interacted with wolves ever, so I'm not sure how that works. And mountain lions, you never see them anyways, but you still want to be respectful of the space. And part of that too is birds and chipmunks they're super high stress. I mean, you've seen them behave. That's why they're always, they look like, oh God, what's going on? If we stress them out more, that might take more energy for them. And the more stress we put on an animal's body, the less likely it is to survive. So uh, just respect wildlife. And the last one, principle number seven, is be considerate of others, of other humans in the area. If you're camping and campground rules are be quiet after 10. Don't be that person with the speaker that's blasting so that the whole campground can hear it. Super inconsiderate. I would always go to Diamond Fork Hot Springs up in Spanish Fork Canyon in Utah. It's a beautiful, lovely place. I was there with a partner and there are these other ladies there and pretty sure it's clothing optional and just like laying in the sun and enjoying it you can hear the waterfall and then this dude shows up drops a speaker and he's like who wants beer and everyone's just kind of like oh god then he turns on his speaker and it's like turn down for what in this beautiful place and it just totally changed the vibe i left shortly after So just be considerate. I would suggest not hiking or camping or being in a space where there are other people close by with music. Unless you're playing your guitar, I think that's a little different. That's kind of nice. But just be aware. Ask others around you if it's okay. Don't be an asshole if they say, I prefer listening to nature. And that goes along with just any noise you make or um, any space that you do take up. Yeah, be considerate of others. I think that should be true in all spaces. And these seven principles of leave no trace, they are applicable if you're on a river trip, if you're backpacking, but also if you're just at a local park or just in the foothills of the Wasatch. Wherever you are, if it's an outdoor space for everybody, please respect it. Um, We want to keep these places for as long as we can. If you want to learn more about these seven principles of leave no trace, The Center for Outdoor Ethics has a good website. I think it's LNT, leavenotrace.org. They have some good specifics on it. You could also just Google it and have any number of things come up. That is the episode for today. Once again, I got to thank AJ for the intro music. And as my dad always says, use your head and be clever. Bye!